This is Beekeeper Confidential, a show about the curious lives of bees and their beekeepers. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. Today's episode features Brad Garman, owner and chief apiarist of Commonwealth Bee Company. He's not just a beekeeper, though. He's also a husband, a father of twins, a nurse, and a bold entrepreneur. We dive deep into the inner workings of running an urban bee business that fosters the community and the health of Virginia's honeybee population. Please welcome Brad, the Commonwealth Beekeeper, to the show. I got into bees because I um, did not walk but run out of city life. I uh, was a firefighter in the DC suburbs um, for a long time and the rat race and the traffic, I uh, really just kind of got to to my family and I was like, we need space, we need land. And um, it's a part of the country where if you're five minutes late leaving your house here, you're two hours late showing up to work. Whoa. Um, yeah, we, we lived about 20 minutes, 25 minutes south of the city. But if, if we did not leave on time, it was a two hour drive. So what was that like as a firefighter? If you were responding to a call and dealing with that kind of traffic, did. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it was one of those things where you try to get accustomed to it, but you know, living in other parts of the state and stuff, it was, it was a stress like no other. And, and we just tried to get out of there. So we ended up selling the townhouse. Uh, we bought a 10 acre farm wow. um, down in like the center part of uh, Virginia. Did you have any prior experience with agriculture? No, okay. no, 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 that is, that is not what happened. Uh, we, we kind of just wanted to kind of do it ourselves. You know, we wanted to um, have a little homestead. Um, we wanted a piece of land that we could kind of pass down. Um, we had family come by the farm and like every family member planted a tree and it was this whole thing. Oh and my gosh. we started adding um, a garden and um, we had, a menagerie of animals. We had um, goats, Lucy and Ethel, who were constantly in trouble. We had some some cows. We we boarded some horses, and then I can't really remember what kind of transitioned me into beekeeping, um, but it just kind of seemed like the next step. We were trying to build this little microcosm, this like ecosystem on our land. It just kind of seemed like the next best thing. So, you know, I did, I did the thing. I went and I took a class and got hooked and bought some bees and killed some bees and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> made, made, uh, made what I assumed were all the mistakes until I realized the next year that I didn't even realize what all the mistakes were. Yeah. Um, and so like, it was kind of a constant thing, you know, um, trying to figure out this animal husbandry thing, um, with these honeybees. So, uh, and then finally things clicked and, and we figured stuff out. And so, uh, we just started raising honeybees down there by ourselves and, and that's kind of where it all took off. Wow. How many hives did you start out with? We did the two. Yeah. We, we did the standard two hives, which is funny. Cause yeah, I'm one of those guys that kind of goes nuts with a hobby you know, and so I, I could have definitely gone out of control, but um, uh, yeah, we, we started with two hives. Um, we did pretty well. You know, I think uh, mite loads and things got to them the first year. I really didn't have a, a solid understanding on a lot of the biology. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I read as much as I could and, and tried to learn as much as I could. And then luckily it kind of all cashed out. Wow. But um, shortly after um, getting the farm, uh, my wife and I also wanted to start a family. And so that was kind of in the plans. But what was not in the plans was how efficient we were because we had twins. <laughs> and quickly with the birth of two uh, children at one time came the realization that we had to go back to the city. Um, and so very oh. shortly thereafter, the farm had to get sold and we needed to go where we could get some help. Uh, my wife and I both work. So we went back and I just kind of felt like that was no reason to stop beekeeping. Kind of really started reading on some of the trends with urban beekeeping and urban agriculture and said, this is just another chapter. It's not uh, anything different than what I was doing out in the country was surprised to see the yields I was getting uh, compared to the bees out in the country. Oh yeah. And, um, that, oh yeah. It was pretty remarkable. We were, we were pulling um, a lot more honey in the, in the cities uh, than we were um, out in the country. Do you think that's attributed to just floral diversity that's available in urban areas? Yeah, exactly. So in, in Virginia, in central part of Virginia, it's very, uh, it's crop based. It's, it's an agricultural based uh, nectar flow. And so the nectar sources come and go uh, with the crops that are, that are available. In the cities, you've got so much uh, varietals, um, you know, and ornamental plants and things like that, that there's just a, kind of a constant diversity. People want um, things, you know, blooming in their gardens year round. And so, you know, the avid gardeners that are that are in the, these areas are structuring their gardens and their lawns to have uh, some sort of floral diversity throughout the year. Yeah. Would you say that is Virginia a very bee friendly state? <laughs> That's kind of interesting. I it, it's it's really what kind of started to prompt the business actually when I really started kind of getting into the science of all of this. My uh, my primary job is in in healthcare. I'm a uh, a flight clinician on a helicopter, a nurse with wings per se. Wow. And uh, we um, I I like science based decision making. I like to do things uh, based on what the evidence kind of shows us. And really got um, entrenched in kind of the surveys and things with Be Informed Partnership and and stuff like that. And what I found out when I really started reading that stuff back in 2017 is the Commonwealth of Virginia lost close to 62% of their honeybees statewide. Wow. We actually were the third highest state in the country for honeybee losses. And I, I really took that as a call to action, more so not even from the business standpoint, but more so for myself that it really kind of hit home that this was, this was a, a hobby for me, but it really was a, um, a calling for me to, to really pick myself up as, as an environmental steward and, and, and do something because we had a problem. We were losing way more than half of our honeybees. And that in, in our state at that survey was all comers. That was the commercial guys. That was the backyard guys. And that was the sideliners. The averages didn't change. Wow. And so you have to wonder what is the cause of that. Um, I think it's very multifactorial. I do think the majority of the state is very agriculturally dependent and where farmers were uh, previously able to have, you know, this kind of diverse uh, crop base, you know, that's not what pays bills anymore. And so we have, you know, a, a forced monoculture where we're, we're planting corn and soybean um, and those kind of things to, to pay farmers paying their bills. You can't blame them, but it, it kind of takes away a lot of that diversity um, 
So I do think that's a big part of it. And that's why my drive to bring the bees to the city is, is, is kind of pushed by that is because, you know, I, I can't, I can't go and, and advocate to the farmers that they take, you know, how they're feeding their families and they do some things to help my, my little buddies here. But, um, you know, I can go out and do education to try to make sure that we as beekeepers in the state of Virginia are, are doing the right things um, and managing them appropriately. Cause certainly I'm sure there's room for improvement there anywhere. Um, but also to take advantage of the amount of flora and, and the varietals that are, that are in the cities um, as a way to kind of increase those numbers. So are you working and building your business? Yes. So you're, you're hustling as a husband and a father and a nurse and a beekeeper and an entrepreneur. All at once. All cylinders. Every day. <laughs> Every day. Yeah. And this, this, is my, um, this is my second business. So I, I've got a little entrepreneurial spirit and I've learned some lessons from a previous business um, that was very successful and continues to be successful after I, I moved on from it. And so... Um, that part of it, I think, is is pretty uh, ingrained in in the development of this business, um, which I think has a lot of very interesting dynamics that are different than anything else. But yes, yeah, all cylinders every day. Well, tell us about your business. Sure. So, um, you know, it was kind of a funny thing. You know, I progressed from a backyard beekeeper. I, I read some things. Yeah, I, I you know, I read studies. I watched all the YouTube videos. I went to the conferences. Um, and tried to mimic, you know, the people that were doing it the right way. And I started, you know, like a lot of beekeepers are that are, you know, trying to feed their passion and pay for their pay for their passion, <laughs> if you will, selling some honey and some, you know, beeswax candles, maybe a couple nukes from splits. I think the real change came from when some beekeepers in my area called me to help. And I went to them and showed them a few things and, and discussed their problems. And we kind of sat down and came up with a plan. And I remember one of them asked me, well, what do I owe you for this? And I, I mean, like, it didn't even dawn on me that this was something that people saw value in and, and were willing to, to pay for. I mean, I was, I was mentoring people on my own for free because I wanted to do it. And I, I, that's what kind of started the ball rolling on this idea of a, of a true business was that there was a need, you know, and, and even when I was kind of developing it, you know, you kind of have to wonder, especially in something that starts out as a hobby is am I really just getting really ingrained in this idea and I want to pay for my hobby, you know? And I had to like yeah. almost talk myself out of it, you know, like, <laughs> look, I can sell honey and I can sell a couple of nukes and probably cover, you know, the supplies for the next year. When, when you decide to go into business, you're looking not only at the logistical aspects of, of it, you know, the insurance, the marketing, the, like, I'm sure you and others are aware, you know, the constant, like being on your phone and, and, and dealing with customers and, and getting out there and beating feet and trying to make your business go in the right direction. But I, I really feel like if you're going to do this kind of work, you not only are kind of signing on as an entrepreneur um, and as a businessman, but you're really signing on as a leader in, in your field. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be like willing to, to wear that hat, right? So somebody's going to call me and pay me X amount of dollars to come out and inspect their hives and give them some tips and help them out with their management. I better know what I'm doing. Yeah. I better be able to communicate that because if people are going to pay for my product, I'm going to have to give them something that they find, find value in. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that being able to connect with people like you you have to have a good bedside manner 
to work Absolutely. with people and their bees because their relationship with their bees is so intimate. They have to feel comfortable enough with you as a person to let you into that space Absolutely. and trust you and trust what you tell them. And that's one thing that I think is like somebody asked me recently how to get into this business and like, how do you find customers? How do you build on your customer base? And for me, it's referrals and it's having that really good rapport with my clients that helps my business to grow. So if you don't have that, it's one thing to tell people how to manage their hives, but there has to be like, you have to have that like chemistry and I think the right kind of personality to really connect with people. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, even, you know, from, from a, I had a customer service based um, home service business before. And, you know, you're going into these people's homes, right? You're going into their bee yards. They've spent money in it. They've done what they could. A lot of that mimics my job in, in flight medicine. I go to hospitals when people need help, when doctors need help, when facilities um, are kind of at their, at their limits. And it's very easy for us to kind of go in there and kind of throw our capes over our shoulders and, you know, uh, be judge and jury um, for what may or may not be going wrong. But, you know, does that progress our goal and our mission as as a beekeeper and as a leader in beekeeping? And so, yes, you're absolutely right. I think bedside manner is a great way to kind of frame that is you, you have to be able to come in and understand where people are coming from and kind of meet them at that level. Yeah. Because they're not doing it purposely. Nobody's trying to kill any honeybees. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, they're, it, it's just a matter of not only, you know, giving them the tools that they need, but maybe giving them the education that they didn't get. Uh, that's a big part of my business model is finding ways to, to educate. And I think I, again, pull that from my full-time job in, in medicine. I, I love teaching. I go out and I, I speak at conferences and, and I do a lot of lecture and I'm very, very interested at this idea of not only retention, because I think that's very important, right? We, we've all sat through B101 and just <laughs> drank from that fire hose. Um, but I think the next step of that, if, if, you're, if you're somebody in a, in a teaching position, um, and many of those people don't realize they are in a teaching position, I think, if you're someone who's going to be imparting knowledge on somebody, I think the goal for us really should not just be retention, but recall under stress. And, and I, that's really a, a, a really um, interesting area of psychology and learning how, how adults learn and how adults are, are educated appropriately. Because certainly I want you to know the bee biology. I want you to, to remember what a good brood pattern looks like. I want you to remember what to do when you see emergency cells and things like that. But I don't want you to be able to write those things down on a test and walk out of a classroom. I want you to be able to recall what you need to do when you've got 50,000 stinging insects flying around your head and you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, oh my God, what yeah. am I going to do? Yeah. And so as an educator, as, as somebody who's trying to, to push this, this beekeeping world forward, I think that's a big drive for me is trying to find ways to supplement some of the usual pathways of beekeeper education to try to get that recall under stress thing down. Yeah, that's such an important element because I think it's easy to read something in a book or go to a class, but then when you are out in the field and you're exercising that information and you're nervous and you're scared and the bees are maybe getting a little agitated because they sense your apprehension, being able to not panic. Like I don't necessarily want my clients to call me every time they have a panic. My goal isn't to keep a client for years and years and years. My goal is to build them up so that they can go and be a beekeeper on their own. 
yeah. at some point. Let them fly, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we definitely kind of work the same way. We, you know, we take in mentors. Um, we support our local B chapters, our, our B clubs and everything. Uh, I do take in a couple of mentees for free um, to try to kind of get them started and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Very often, a lot of times we get those frantic phone calls. And a lot of times I feel like if I can get them to be like, well, what do you think? What are your options? And instead of speaking to them and really like watching them kind of pick apart and dissect what their possibilities are and their options. Well, if you did that, what bad things could happen? Mm-hmm. That to me is a better way to reinforce those foundational aspects of beekeeping. And so I, we found that to be really uh, successful. And then we also invite our mentees and our first year beekeepers who have been with our program um, to actually act as apprentices for our program. Um, oh, that's it's, it's, it's a way for me to get um, some volunteer help um, because I'm, I'm running a, a, a light green budget. I'm not, I'm not in the dark green part. I'm in the light green part. I, so. I have people tell me, well, you need to hire some help. It's like, I can't even pay for myself. Like I'm yes, paying for right. all of my bees and my equipment and my transportation and travel and stuff. But I'm not at the point where I can like truly make a living off of doing this. So I exactly. certainly can't help somebody else make a living off of yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Our mentorship program is nice because I feel like first year beekeepers, they get very, very excited, right? I think we've all told at least three new beekeepers, like, no, you actually don't go in the hives every day um, <laughs> to make sure that they're, you know, still, still there. So they, they're really antsy and you know what? They need that repetition that they don't have because they don't have the space. They don't have the skill sets built up yet. Um, they don't have the confidence, you know, or they don't have the money to, mm-hmm. to, to have the amount of touches that they need. So if I'm in a position where I have lots of areas that are in need of inspections and tendings and things like that, why not use those people that are eager and want to get more repetitions? Um, that helps my company out and it helps them out. And we have seen that those people that come into that program really do well their second and third year. That is um, so the, cool. I love yeah. that you do that. Yeah. And then the more stuff that they are, feel comfortable with, the more stuff that they're invited to do. So when we get calls for splits or for swarms and stuff like that, um, we kind of have two levels of apprentice and and the higher level a ends up going with some of the, the primary level guys. And they also do outreach and education at our farmers markets and things like that. So um, they really get entrenched with it, which I think is so helpful for them to kind of build some of that foundational knowledge. Ironically, yeah. that's the name of our course is Beekeeping Foundations. <laughs> and, um, but at the same time, we're not in a direct competition with the other players in this space, which I think from a business standpoint is really important, right? There's two ways to attack a business. You either have a product that nobody else has. And so you market yourself as being the sole person available for that product, or you have a product that's in direct competition with somebody else, but yours is better and you attack their product directly. And that's really, it's really tough in beekeeping to pick one of those two camps because we don't have, you know, you're a plumber, everybody's house has plumbing. Um, there's, there's a known need there, you know, there's a known overhead there when you're getting into farming. And and to me, that, that is what we're doing. We're farming animals. It's husbandry. Um, there's a lot of unknowns and we don't have the depth of clientele that other service-based industries have. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's really important to be very careful not to step on the toes of the beekeeping associations 
to not be in competition with what they're providing and what they need to get gain membership and remain an active club. I don't want to be in competition with the equipment sales folks. I don't I don't know about where you are, but in our part of Virginia, kind of the central to northern parts of Virginia, we've got maybe three, four B shops. Oh um, wow. And some of them are have closed their doors as of recent. Yeah, we've seen that here too. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. And I think there's a few things I think about that. One is, so so that's the big part of my business model is I don't want to be in competition. I want to be in concert with the other players in the space. Mm-hmm. I want to find a niche that I can provide that they can't. So, you know, for education, to me, that that's one-on-one learning opportunities. You know, that that's something that a lot, a lot of times the clubs aren't able to provide. You know, I don't sell equipment. I, I send people to local purveyors and distributors of equipment and try to work any events that I'm doing around their events so that we're all working in concert because it's, it's too small of a space to, to be pushing people around. Yeah, there are enough contentious issues that people oh, can sure. fight over and, and get heard about. And I kind of feel the same way. I mean, I have very good friends that have similar business models, but I definitely don't think of them as competition. We support each other and learn from each other and sometimes get each other some referrals for clients. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, Yep, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, it's a very, you know, it's a very like community driven. It's very funny. I keep wanting to call it a profession. I keep wanting to say, you know, it's a very, I keep wanting to use that word and I stop myself and I'm not sure why why? I stop myself. I don't know. It's, it's got all the makings, you know, it really does. um, You know, when you look at what I'm looking to do with this, which is to integrate it into as many facets of urban life as I can. So to touch on the bee shop thing, you don't want to have all of your bees in one basket for to, to use, use a <laughs> term there, right? You, you don't want all of your business to be in one widget. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be tough when you're starting a business because you also don't want to spread yourself too thin. Yes. But you need a little bit of diversity in your business model in case something doesn't work out. While I don't know every business model of every shop that's closed down, if that's what you're putting your heart and soul into, if that's what you're putting all of your money and you're investing your time into selling B equipment, um, you either need to find another avenue of business or you better hope that that is what's going to sustain you for years. Right. Um, so for me, my business model is small. Um, you know, compare that to the people that I've looked up to, the, to me, the Titans in this industry, um, you know, all women, by the way, um, <laughs> you know, Lee Catherine down it and be downtown Hillary over and girl next door, even like Rhoda at Indigo, like all mm-hmm. these um, very well thought out, very educated, very smart business women are who I've listened to and, you know, have not spoken to any of them, you know, personally put a plug out there. But, uh, <laughs> I, I may have some connections. Yeah. You, you know, you hear how they, how they've gone from, you know, jump street into what they're doing now. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still in that growth period and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, you know, I'm okay with where I am because I am trying to create a diverse business model and, but keeping it within arm's reach of myself, because the minute it kind of gets out of your reach, your quality is going to start to suffer. And mm-hmm. we, we kind of see that anytime anything gets mass produced and that kind of stuff. Right. So, so, you know, we, 
we sell honeybees um, uh, a very small amount um, because our honeybees are all from our apiaries in Virginia. Um, there are a handful of very well-established honeybee suppliers in Virginia, but like many states, the majority of honeybees that are ordered in are coming from out of state. Um, they're coming from the, the pollination windmill. Yeah. And luckily for Virginia, we have a state apiary inspector um, and that inspection service does a very good job. However, you know, we're still getting bees from outside our climate base. Um, money's going eventually outside of our state. And so it's very important for us, even though it means smaller amounts that we're producing almost a boutique product of bees from mm -hmm. Virginia. Like one, the, the biggest bit of advice that I have for people that are just getting into beekeeping is to buy your bees locally. Yeah. I've actually heard of some clubs who have basically said, if you're a member of this club, you're agreeing to only buy your bees from other club members wow. um, to try to keep, uh, to really try to push this importance of local bees for local folks kind of thing, which I think is awesome. So we do do that part of it um, and, and do the honey sales and the, the networking and the at the farmer's market and all kind of jazz. But the education thing is obviously a big, a big part of our, our product. We are integrated in the school systems. Um, we feel that- That's really incredible. Yeah, we, we have actually helped create sustainability clubs in some of the high schools. Oh my God. We feel that uh, beekeeping and apiary management can, can cross the curriculums. Um, there's, there's a biomimicry within a colony that can be a discussion point for so many things from, from leadership, um, like be downtown's doing, um, to government and, um, uh, you know, to, to working in a community, um, all of these things, uh, senior projects, all these kind of things are opportunities to use, um, the honeybee colony and, and our relationships with honeybees and the environment as, as a catalyst for learning. So, um, that's a really big part of our outreach is, is, is reaching into the schools. Um, and we do things with little fifth graders. I know you and I talked about um, <laughs> whirlwind. I can assure you that twins was a lot, but 10 uh, fifth graders was more. Um, <laughs> but we, yeah. we do things with the younger kids and the high school kids, um, as well as like the community groups, um, you know, try, and try to, like I said, we, we want to work in concert with everybody in this space. And that means our extension office colleagues, that means our master gardeners, well, that is a true honeybee mentality. The, Isn't it the, though? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, you know, we, we're doing our little part, but we're trying to trying to to do something for the greater good in, in the area. Yeah. So I, I, I think, you know, all of those things are really important. I've been toying around and, and writing this article because thinking about beekeeping almost as a public service. Like when you think about public servants, what are those people like they're firefighters or police officers, county workers and that kind of stuff, but is having this sort of emphasis on environmental stewardship and management and having this green ecosystem driven community, something that the public should be entitled to. I would lend to say yes. Um, and so it's, <laughs> it's kind of an interesting thought that I've toyed around um, and reaching out to some of the governments in, in some of the DC suburbs to talk about like, you know, what are you guys doing with your green space? That's a big hot topic out here, mm -hmm. um, you know, with lead designations and, and having green buildings um, and that kind of stuff. We actually have companies in this area that are urban 
landscapers who are designers of rooftop gardens and and spaces. Um, so these are all areas that we want to waggle our way into, if you will. And that's why when I talk to people who are like interested in like starting a business, I talk about it from my my standpoint because you know I'm not up there with the the titans yet, and that's okay. I think that's a big important part of it. You're growing slowly is growing quickly. You know, right. doing it right the right well, way. Well, and then also it allows you to find what really works. Like for my business, right. it's still really young and I'm still very flexible in the direction that it's going to go. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's important to allow yourself time to find that that path. Yeah, it's it's definitely exciting. And, you know, I definitely find myself like, you know, okay, okay, that put then the idea of later, right? How do you manage all of this? Uh, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I've always been just a, a, a driven guy. I've, I've been a fireman for a long time, <laughs> much, much less than some, you know, there's guys that are on the job for 25, 30 years. But this is my 14th year in fire service, EMS, that kind of thing. 24 hour shifts running on an hour of sleep, you know. So you're just really well conditioned for constantly well, hustling. Come talk to me when I'm 40 in, in a home <laughs> and being, you know, wheeled around. But at the moment, it, I'm keeping up with it. Yeah. I think everybody can get behind the idea that honeybees dying is bad. And I think a lot of people um, are willing to wave a flag and stand and sign a petition and those kind of things. When it comes to business, you got to remember, you got to know your clients and you also have to know yourself and what your time is worth. And I think that could be really hard. I remember hearing a podcast early on from Hillary over at her uh, girl next door uh, business model. And she was saying like, yeah, I'm going to charge. I'm going to charge my hourly rate. Like, yeah, I'm going to charge it more than the average for my honey because that's what it's worth. And if we all realized how much our time was worth and weren't giving away, you know, the cow with the, with, with the milk and whatnot, it, you know, we would find ourselves to be a lot more of a profitable business yeah, line. Absolutely. You know? And like, really what we do is so specialized mm -hmm. and we are putting ourselves at certain risks. Yeah. Working with certainly. bees, not just from you know getting stung but also back injuries overheating oh yeah um oh, all you, that oh stuff. You, you you sweat when you do it it's very physically exhaustive although so i'm turning 40 next year and i don't exercise uh-huh ever and this last bee season was particularly hard on me like physically i felt like my stamina was just garbage and so I just signed up for kickboxing classes. Nice. You're going all in. I'm going all in. And my, my goal is to be in the best shape of my life when I turn 40. Awesome. So I'm giving That's myself a, a year to like, you know, get ripped yes. <laughs> and in shape because yes. I don't want to break. I, I'm not done I, playing. I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been known to dabble in the uh, in the boxing arts. It's quite a workout. It's not it's not moving. It's not humming supers and uh, and deep, deep hive boxes in the, in the middle of July. But it's it'll it'll work you out. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think I need that. I've been lucky this year. I had um, one couple that has me come out. They have their own hives, but they have me come out and take care of the bees for them. And they always give me a hard time. So even if I stop by just for a very quick visit, like maybe less than 30 minutes, they, they insist on paying me for the full hour. And Super. I feel like, oh no, that's okay. You know, yeah. they're like, no, you yeah. are running a business 
and we're paying you the full amount. So people like yep. that are, I think, really wonderful to have as clients because they recognize that my time is is a value and my services are a yeah. value. So like, we all need clients like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I remember like when I first started charging, you know, you'd get in this great dialogue. You'd be like, oh, the bees need help. And they'd be like, yeah. And be like, and you could help. And they'd be like, awesome. Like we could put bees in your backyard and your gardens will look beautiful and you'll be this like pillar in the community. And they'll be like, awesome. And I'll be like, and this is how much. And then it's like silence, you know, or you almost like squint before you hit enter, you know, like it's, it's, it, it, but then eventually you realize, like you realize that your product's worth it, that the bees are worth it, that your, your time is worth it. And, and that's, I think such an important part. If you're, you're going to go into business for yourself, you have to be committed to your idea and realize what you're worth. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brad. Absolutely. Thanks, man. You take care of yourself. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. <laughs> bye. To learn more about Brad, visit him online at commonwealthfeed.com. If you've been enjoying the show, please help share the work that we do by leaving a review or liking and sharing Beekeeper Confidential on social media. And if you want to give a little extra something something, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Mandy Shaw to become a patron. I'm continually blown away by the passion and energy that our guests and listeners have for bees and beekeeping. It is a great privilege for me to produce something that gives us all a bigger, stronger, more powerful voice in this world. Until next time, may the buzz be with you. Beekeeper Confidential is a Waggle Works production and is written and produced by Mandy Shaw.